On this week's episode of Sydney Chill, we are joined by writer-composer Tim Oliver, who is going to be talking about his influences and the best way for filmmakers to work with composers. As a kid, I'd always watch the Spielberg stuff and always just loved the whole package of the the magical thing in Star Wars and E.T. and John Williams. But I think the first thing that really impacted me, caused me to go out and buy a soundtrack, was... Um, Vangelis' Blade Runner. Um, and I, 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 saw it, I saw it at a friend's house when I was young. Um, I didn't really get the film when I was younger, but it was when I was working in um, R-Price Records. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, you know, it was a big deal that this soundtrack had come out because it, it, it had, um, I'd heard it before and I thought, oh, that doesn't, didn't really do anything for me. Then I realised that it had been trapped in a legal battle or Vangelis hadn't wanted it out there. And, and yet the, what had been on the market had been this orchestral version. And of course the film, it's, it's totally, it's him on its own. It's with his synths. And there's this only this orchestral version of it that people could get hold of. Uh, and so when it eventually came out in, I guess it was around 1990, it was a big deal. And it, you know, it came out with fanfares and, and I heard this thing and put it on in the shop and I just, something in me just melted and I, I found the world I'd felt and I went back and revisited the film and saw it and, and then it, it just something in me just just exploded um hearing that just this and and it's just him on his own with all his gear and just this enormous world that he created and then of course realized it was him that did chariots of fire and but I think that's the the, the first soundtrack that really made a massive impact on me it just, you know, I think you can watch um, Blade Runner without the dialogue and still get the whole story and everything else. It's so incredibly rich in detail and colour and sound um, that it, it, you can enjoy it just on that level. Um, but of course, there's very um, the, the story, the, the Philip K. Dick story is is. You know, very strong, and it's all the, the sci-fi ideas underneath it are incredibly pertinent, and talks about what is it to be human, and there's a reason those scenes connected um, with people. You know, the Rutger Hauer speech at the end, and um, there's a reason those those scenes connected. Yeah, I mean, I watched um, <laughs> I watched ET yesterday with um, with my goddaughter who is four, um, and she'd never seen it before. And I was hmm. thinking, you are going to cry. Um, yeah. And she didn't have one tear. And I just thought, well, that's just What's not... wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not only that, I, I was tearing up thinking, oh, no, this is embarrassing now because she's just yeah. like, fine. But to be fair, like when um, Elliot comes across E.T. and he's... Oh, no, the brother finds E.T. and like that lake and he looks horrible and yeah. pale. Yeah. She turned around to me and she said, is he dead? And I thought, if I say yes, she's going to ball out. So I said, no, no, he's just pretending. Oh, so I, I think me saying that kind of um, stopped the, uh, the... Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's funny, isn't it, though? Because uh, But I, even what... I've seen that movie so many times, but I got something completely different from it watching it with you know with a four-year-old and it was just um <laughs> yeah it was it, it was great more just the sense of wonder and yeah like you know people go on about special effects and all this but mm. that scene when he flies across the moon she was just in awe like wow this is incredible uh, um, you know what i i still now um 
when I go out on my bike. Uh, <laughs> I still get that it played in so well. To that. I remember when I first got a bike, I thought, yeah, uh, here we go. You're out on that sense of freedom when you, you go out on your bike for the first time and you're mobile and that, that kind of still in my head when I go, I, I get the ET, that, that scene where they all take off on the bikes and that, that's exactly what it feels like to me going out on my bike. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. That, that amazing, that amazing, um, Think bum bum ba da dun dun yeah yeah I mean it's it so perfectly captures that that sense of elation sort of just striking out and that's what I took from it anyway but yeah I still connect with that in that exact same way that's tune is playing in my head every time I go out on my bike yeah I mean it is such I mean like I get I mean I've always loved film music and I think a big part of it is when I was younger, it was a way to kind of relive the movie, you know, before DVDs and internet and all that kind of stuff. You know, I when video when a movie came out, it used to take maybe a year or two before it even got on VHS. It was like, there was yes. such a long period. So the only way to kind of relive that was like, for me, was listening to the music. And E.T. is definitely oh, yeah. one of those films where you can... Yes. Um, you can listen to it from the beginning and you can listen to it the whole way through and it is it feels like that story which you know i just um you know i, I think it's that. i th- i think it's it's the score that he's the most proud of isn't it i remember reading somewhere possibly i mean gosh how if you were john williams how could you say what you're you know you're most proud of it would be very difficult um because so many you know he has his his own sound and a lot of people have tried to you know replicate that and some of them get close to it but i just think i mean even like the original star wars soundtrack yeah there's so many different parts in that where there's like jazz there's really unusual parts to it like the part where uh the you know uh the the robots are in the sand and it's got this like this montage with this just crazy music and it's just <laughs> you know i uh I, you know i i love that um one thing that I'm interested in, I mean, you've touched on the Blade Runner soundtrack. Yeah. Would you, what would you say the first um, film score theme you heard was something that, you know, um, really did touch you? You're like, this is, it was like kind of a light being turned on, like this is, um, this is pretty well, special. Well, I guess, I guess Superman. Superman, which of course is, because I remember going to see Superman 2 with my friends at the ABC in Brentwood <laughs> or the Canon in Brentwood. And we all got given 50 P to use at the, 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 the snacks counter. So I was already happy, <laughs> <laughs> but we went in there and just, you know, that, and that, um, that amazing bum, 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 bum. It was mm. just, I, I remember that. It, it, it's, I remember sort of really being really hit by that. And, um, yeah. And just all of those, just those victorious, those victorious themes, you know, it's, I remember just the, the force of the brass and, you know, and all, all that stuff. I really, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. Um, cause I don't, I don't remember going to see the first Superman at the cinema, but I do definitely remember Superman too. And it's a great theme. It's like, it's, I think it's, you get three themes for the price of one, just in the, just in the first, <laughs> um, just when you think you can't get another, you got and then after that, and then and it all happens in, the, in that that one piece of title music. 
Yeah, I um, think the titles just, last about two minutes as well in that film. They, that's they, they're right, the yeah. longest titles ever, but it's so you know. And I wish, kind of wish movies would do that again because I used to love it. It was building anticipation for that who's the film guy that, who's the guy who's the guy that did superman returns i mean people really slated that film but um but i really liked it and he really respected that that piece of music um who was it um i can't think now, the but... guy that brian singer yeah brian singer he got that when you first get the the, the, the sequence and you're doing that the journey through the planets and um you got the opening sequence but he he, he did that full blast and you went through the whole thing and he really he really honored that <laughs> In yeah. Superman Returns, yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, you know, I I, rem- I was I I loved Superman when I was uh, a kid, and I remember watching. Uh, I think it was a documentary about the movie, and John Williams said the actual. If you listen to the the theme Superman, it actually says Superman, like Superman. the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. which <laughs> is so cool. So, what was it that got you say to want to be a film and and TV composer? I mean, what what. Are you more interested in doing that than you are, say, like being in a band or? It was always there at the back of my head, kind of since I was a student, um, writing to picture. And my routine didn't come till quite late. So after I did parapetist teaching for a while, I got some inroads into playing with um, bands. Um, and through playing with various bands, I met various people and I met the drummer. Um, the drummer in a, an indie band I played in for a while called Get Cape Where Cape Fly. I got talking to him and a friend of his um, ran a production music company called Altitude Music. They're based in Brick Lane in London. And um, he introduced me. And uh, cause I, so I wrote an album for them of library music. And they, they really liked it and started talking to them about throwing the other little bits and pieces uh and concurrently with that there was a a friend who had spent a lot of time within the um in my 30, 20s and 30s and we we all grew up and went our various ways and he he went the route of um director um and he went on to very quickly ascend and start making documentaries quite high profile documentaries so running concurrently with the the route into the library music company was my friend Ben who uh, made documentaries and uh, you know he got me to try out a few bits on a few episodes of Horizon um, to kind of rescue him from a situation where they needed something and couldn't get a license for it and I helped out and I said I'll do it but give me a credit and so they got me a credit um, and then from that that gave me a bit of um, a bit of a negotiating point with to to be uh, got in for a more serious not more serious, but um, to be the full series composer for something. And he went on to direct a uh, series called Jungle Atlantis, which is actually fairly recent, only just a few years ago. Um, and that was quite high profile. And since then, there's been some other documentaries and, you know, there's some other things in the pipeline and lots of commercials. Um, and um, I still really enjoy making library music. But, that, yeah, so that those are the introductions, just um people people i knew people i knew they always say that your existing network is is the one to use and that's what really gets results and it's it's true so i mean like what i'm hoping for with this um podcast is it's going to be for filmmakers of all different um you know skills so you know uh directors um sound Mm -hmm. recordists and 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 one thing that um I'd like to sort of know is when you get 
uh, a director come to you? Um, or what is the best way for a director to explain what they want in um, in, a, in a show or in a movie? Um, because I know when I've done stuff in the past, I've kind of referenced other things and I've made the mistake of getting so into like a certain like um, temp track then anything else yes. that comes i'm like no i don't like it i understand the need to kind of while you're just putting something together have something underlying it um while you're putting just fitting pictures together and just have something to glue it together but but i, I think at the earliest possible stage start talking to the composer because it really doesn't take more than a few plays of um uh, of a temporary track to start getting really attached to it um so and, and so to, I, th- I think the yeah the key thing is talk to the to the composer at the earliest possible stage once you start getting sequences together and if you have to a, a temporary track to kind of to kind of um just to illustrate um the, the kind of texture you're thinking of and it quite helpful just to work if you find yourself not able to articulate uh, with words the kind of texture you're after um <clears throat> then attempt track can be helpful but as long as you're prepared to discard it quickly um i think far more useful terms to talk to uh language to use between directors and composers is um in, in describing emotions because that's that's the common language um because because uh, you um you play a sad bit of music or you know you might think all right well that's because of the a violin that's playing there and so you might be tempted to say well we want violins just because the the piece of music you've chosen happens to have violins and it's expressing something sad but actually it may be that the the sonic palette or the musical palette for a program might be kind of i don't know about dark electricity or something and in which case violins may not be the the right instrument. Do you see what I mean? So, yeah. so, so but, but we say, well, what, what we're trying to express here is, is technical anxiety, <laughs> something like that, you know, and, and um, uh, all that frustration, frustration would be the thing underlying that. And so you, you start describing frustration, then the, the composer can then go think, okay, well, what does frustration sound like? Well, it feels a bit like this, but what what does that sound like in the context of these images that I'm looking at? Um, well, the, the, you know, the that might be a picture of a circuit board, or you know, electricity shooting between two plasma balls. Or, you know, then you just start the. It's almost like a form of synesthesia, and it's mm-hmm. the composer's job to then start interpreting an emotion um, into music, um, but informed by what they're seeing and perhaps what the voiceover is saying or anything like that. So I think the key thing is to use the common language of emotions rather than to fall into the mistake of talking in terms of instruments. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd say that it is quite a common and composers in on their own little private, um, Facebook forums will joke about, um, instructions they've been given. And it's almost like you need a phrase book, like the, the classic thing is for, uh, and advertising agencies are particularly bad at it. <laughs> uh, when somebody comes back and said, right, we want more drums or we, we want it to go faster. And so you, you uh, early on in this, when you haven't realized what's going on, you start thinking, okay, I'll make it faster. And then you'll, you'll make it faster. And then they'll come back and say, well, why did you speed it up? Hmm. And said, so, oh, we asked for it faster. Then you eventually decode what they're trying to do and what they're actually saying, that they, they want the drums to be louder. 
you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what they're after. But so I, I think um, to be talking in, in emotional terms rather than trying to attempt a musical language or instrumentation or stuff like that, I think that's a helpful place to start. Yeah. Um, and do you notice when there's been a big hit show or movie uh, that has a very prominent soundtrack that all of a sudden you get asked for that all the time? Uh, for instance, I know Stranger Things has had a massive impact on, you know, a lot of, I watch a lot of like independent films, like, you know, low budget stuff on YouTube. And all yeah. of a sudden they've all got these 80s synthy uh, style, you know, soundtracks as they've gone, well, it worked for that Stranger Things, so I think we should just be trying it. It, it does sound cool, but does that, um, do, you, do you notice that a lot? Do you get people requesting yeah, certain you, things? Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, at, at the moment, Stranger Things is a big hit, and so the kind of uh, the kind of demographic that are watching it, uh, it's, it's touching the nostalgia button, and so instantly it just feels great to be hearing that stuff. And to be honest, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that that kind of 80s synths if there's ever a genre that fitted me down to the ground it's that so i'm having lots of fun doing exactly that kind of thing at the moment actually getting all my old analog synths out and but but yeah the 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 one that never seems to go away is is um the 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 fashion that never seems to go away there's two things is ukuleles <laughs> this is mainly in in advertising ukuleles um and they, that still hasn't died. It's the beast we're still waiting to die. Um, the, the you know the simple like GCSE versions of songs with ukuleles. Yeah, Bl- blame. G- I mean, I think that's uh, um, thanks to the movie Juno, where it had a very. I forget who ah, the. Ah, um, you the... think? I was wondering what started that all off. Yeah, I think it was Juno because that soundtrack is very quirky and very simple, and it's got you know the the teenage girl who can play ukulele, and then all of a sudden you know Re- Apple use that's it. That's interesting. I never realised that. That there's always some kind of catalyst. Ah, I'd never put that. But yeah, still that. Well, that's got the still a kind of very unhealthy half life going on. Yeah, <laughs> and it's but, so but, true because I get asked to use that stuff still, and it's like, have you got something whistling and like the guitar in it? And like, yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or, your, or, or the or the, the the simplistic vocal version of it, and that that's still going straight. And the other one at the moment is is a uh, that Italian piano dude, um, Ludvigo Einaudi. Mm. I'd, I'd probably take about 50 percent of the the briefs i get for various things will it will involve this guy i know and he's i'm not a fan personally but he, he seems to be universally liked by by many many people especially video editors uh program editors um that did you know that the the stuff it's that kind of simple uh piano melodies kind of quite um minor keys um and people just go crazy for it so currently who would you say are some of your favorite um film composers at the moment um well i love alexander desplat or desplat Desplat, i don't even know how you meant to pronounce it I'm gutted he's not um, doing Star Wars anymore. He was going to do Rogue One, I know. wasn't he? And then... Me too, me too, me too. I think he's really interesting and he, he can actually, I like his melodies. Um, he's really, he, he um, he's great with texture and he, he can really turn his hand to a lot of um, good stuff. And he, he's got a, he's got a sense of sophistication about him. That Grand Budapest thing, you know, that, that was, oh. you know, absolutely brilliant. 
brilliant. If you have, I've been listening to his, just at the textures he got with the orchestra, he really created a, quite a new sound for that, although it all feels very familiar and European and brilliant what he did with that. Yeah, absolutely it's a gorgeous, brilliant. it's an absolutely gorgeous film as well. I, I, I love that. And the soundtrack to it is, I mean, he, he very much deserved the Oscar. I was a bit disappointed because I wanted Interstellar to get the Oscar because I just thought the work had Zimmer did on that to make something so different. Um, I think he deserved it. I thought Interstellar was a real turning point for me. That that was uh, I really really loved that soundtrack too, because um, there was melody. I, I'm a melody guy, you see. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I I've switched onto him with that. I kind of I tuned out during the during all the epic stuff and the ostinato strings and. I admire it, but it doesn't particularly connect with me anywhere. But mm. Interstellar really did. Um, that was beautiful. I mean, that was absolutely beautiful what he did with that. So what would be your uh, your dream project? Like if you got an email through after this podcast <laughs> and it was from a certain director or a certain genre and a certain, um, you, know, uh, you know, you can fly over to wherever, or you can record it however you want, what would that be? Tron 3. <laughs> <laughs> Give that to me and I'll, I'm a happy man. Um, I I, it's my it's my big guilty pleasure for um for a film. It, it's a good film. It's not a great film, but it's a great soundtrack. Um, and I I just I just the 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 geeky little boy inside me just hugely connects with that world. Um, and just uh, the, just that that marriage of the it was so clever what what um Daft Punk and um the orchestrator I've forgotten his name. Uh, isn't it the guy Darth from? Tech. Is he? Is it the same guy from M83? Is it? He. I'm not sure if he was involved in that. 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 Um, but Steve. I think it's Steve Bartek. He's, he's a fantastic orchestrator. He worked with them, and what what they achieved with that, well, you know, it still really stands up. That Tron Legacy sound, soundtrack because there's Daft Punk just being brilliant with synths and mm. that min, that minimal minimal arpeggiators and just beautiful kind of analog uh, synth worlds and but it's how they married it to the orchestra clever little things just like you had the the electronic layer and then you had the orchestral layer but in the middle of it there was this bit where the 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 lines are blurred and you're you're doing kind of odd kind of bit crushing eight bit effects on the orchestra and little funny things happening on the reverb tails for the organic and it's in just in the way the soundtrack's put together you're telling the story of what's happening in the film very clever um so if if I had to kind of create an an expansive world for for the Tron universe, I'd I'd be a happy man. <laughs> so you'd be you'd be happy to stand on the toes of of Daft Punk and make Tron three. Who would you like to direct Tron three? Ooh, ah, oh, this is a good question, Simon. Um, um, who would I like to direct it? I'm not sure what Kubrick would make of it. No, I'm not sure because I'm not sure he'd get the kind of schlocky kind of. How about Peter Jackson? Uh, yeah, Peter Jackson doing a Tron. I think that'd be interesting. Um, yeah, he could he could do something interesting with it. Um, another obvious one, Ridley Scott. Um, but I don't know what it's. Um, these are all uh, the real big ones. I mean, I uh, think. What about the guy from District Nine? Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. Or yes, yes. But the you know you need to know that they can handle kind of a kind of special effects film, I guess. But Neil Blomkamp, yeah, I mean that that was a special effects 
film, of course, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a that's a good call, actually. Yeah, I think he's doing an Alien movie next. I I believe he did. I, some... I reckon he'll I reckon he'll be great at that. Yeah, I mean, he did um, some concept art for it, and it was like, wow, this looks like this looks this looks amazing. And um... who else? I think you know. Or who else would I like to work with? Lars von Trier, but I don't think he'd have me. Good gosh. <laughs> And the person I would love to work with again is David Lynch. Yeah, uh, I just uh, that that, that he, he's um I, I massively connect with everything he does. Yeah, in a big way, which is possibly worrying, but I do I do I, I can't wait for the new Twin Peaks to see whether he hasn't directed anything in a long time. Mm. I mean, um, it, it, it seems at the moment as well, like especially this year, that TV is um is winning uh, rather than movies being the main like. Uh, you know, movies. That's true. I think yeah. this year's been a poor year for for big movies, where TV is just killing it at the moment. Yeah, it really is. And in fact, I've, I've just been watching um, uh, the Scandies. The, the, the Scandinavians are starting to really clean up, aren't they? I've, I'm watching an Icelandic drama at the moment called Trapped, um, mainly because it was set in in um, an area of Iceland I was in recently. Um, but I was watching that, and and in fact, the composer who's who's doing that, Johan Johansson, um, uh, which he did a really nice job on, and and it's that the classic Scandinavian noir um, sound using orchestras to play, you know, in a, like without vibrato and uh, very textural, and um, but he's now doing he's doing the new Blade Runner. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So he's he, he's that that's his that. He's been making a name for himself very quietly and, and surely. Uh, so yeah, that, that's. But yeah, there are huge things happening in TV. I've just been watching Westworld actually, um, and that they've thrown everything in the kitchen sink at that. And uh, the composer is doing that. I think he's the Game of Thrones guy. But I, I, to me, either he's not done a good job on it, or. And I think what is possibly the more realistic thing is that it sounds like it's been composed, composed by a committee. Right. Um, to me, though, the music is really overbearing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, it sounds to me like interference. <laughs> right. So, okay. but, yeah, but, yeah, there's loads of huge things going on in, in TV box sets at the moment. Uh, and Angelo Badalamenti's on board for the new Twin Peaks, of course. Right. Okay. When when is that all happening? Is that when is that coming out? Next year. Next year. I can't wait. It's meant to be this year, but it's 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 now next year. Uh, Eighteen episodes, all directed by the man himself. Wow. Um, yes. Yeah. And um, the all the usual suspects with with more with more besides on board. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are going to sort of A-list kind of Hollywood actors included. They're all they're all going to TV now. Yeah, and why do you think um, TV is taken over, um, like movies as a as a more popular entertainment? Do you think it's because of the the price of cinema now, or do you think it's more because these long shows? I mean, you know, we're talking like six seasons of of TV shows now. Um, it's, just, it's, it's just it's to do with how the tech, technology has developed. That you know, we, we we've all got our TVs and our uh, whatever we use to stream Netflix and Amazon Prime and. It's just the ability to voraciously consume a lot of um, serialized dramas that, that it, it's 
because of the appetite for it, our unending appetite for it, advertisers have been flocking there and you know just it's just a supply and demand thing i think and as a result it just the because of the incredible demand for it that just with the amount of stuff that's being made there the quality's just gone up and up and up and up and up and you know it, it's really they're, they're saying it's a golden age for tv and it really is yeah um and it's like long it's like it's it's um it's it's long form entertainment as well because you know you yeah. watch one of these series you are in for the the long ride like i you i are, mean yeah. i've been um, i've i've revisited lost recently with a friend because she mm. never watched it and um we're talking 108 hours of tv for one story you know that's a long time to be watching you know to to watch a show but the beauty of it is that way you get to have the best character development that you could never do in a movie um yeah i think that's it it's nice it's nice for actors isn't it and i kind of um and and the good ones they do really make it about the the characters um now the sopranos was another game changer wasn't it i think twin twin peaks was the first game changer in that they thought uh, the original one where they said right you can have cinematic quality drama happening here in a tv series uh and that that first woke people up to what you can do on tv and um and then the sopranos came along there's other things in between obviously but the soprano then that that just went on for many seasons and just that as all character character dialogue amazing writing amazing characters yeah um and then game of thrones and I don't, it's schlocky, you know, but but it, it, it's it's a page turner kind of thing, and I think that 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 was another landmark one. Yeah, I also think it's a lot of it is down to the um, the saturation of of superhero films. Like you know, everything is centered around the Marvel model, where it's like, okay, we'll make one film, and at the end of that film, we'll introduce something else, and before you know it, they're trying to do this whole expanded universe where. You know, where's the originality? You know, well, I, wa- I watched I watched a, a thing recently about because I'm, I'm not interested at all in in that that Marvel stuff. Although I hear Doctor Strange is meant to be very good. I've I've and I, I'm not against. I don't. I know a load of people that really like all the Marvel stuff, and I'm just and I think they think I'm anti like popcorn movies, and I'm not. But I just I, for me, I, I love spectacle, I love action, but I think there's got to be a a reason for you to enjoy it. I saw this video that compared Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, and basically what it said was, well, Jurassic Park had the subtext that it was about um, the main guy, I forget his name, Alan, being ready to be a dad, like, you know, take fatherhood on. Ah, and yes, throughout the film, it has Perfect all, these, yeah. has all yeah. these connections, like, you know, the, I mean, it broke it down in, in a way where you watch it, you go, wow, that's that's either, you know, they were never thinking about that, or that's actually really clever. So it had things like, where he pulls the uh, the children from the car when it's covered in mud, and then like you know yeah. this kind of represents the the, the the kids being like born and and all this kind of stuff like really deep yes. stuff like you know and then it says like says life found a way and it's got the next shot huh. is an egg with the feet running off which is the same like way where the uh, the Alan Grant and the and the children went and all this and you're like that's why yeah. that movie is so good and so it, maybe like just good good writing has got a lot to do with a good action film i mean it's um i think yeah if, if you're just thinking about the spectacle and uh, and that stuff that's very true. i never saw i never thought that about jurassic park but that's very true you know there's a reason why you connect with something the subtext yeah 
Yeah, and you see that in all of Spielberg's movies, like, you know, Back to E.T., um, that film is about, you know, a, a, a little boy who's longing for a father. He's he's uh, he's lost, and, you know, his the parents have split up, yes. and he's lost, and E.T. was lost, you know. And it's that that you don't really understand when you're a kid and you watch it. For and then, close, encounter, close Encounters, the um, just the, 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 it's all very based around... If you like, there's lots of people who are, who speak different languages trying to talk to you. The whole thing is somebody trying to hear somebody on a radio in a different language and they're struggling to hear them. That's the opening scene in a desert, isn't it? Mm. Um, so there's all that going on. It, it sets up all, the, all these themes of sort of uh, broken communication and struggling to connect with each other. And, and so then when that that thing eventually comes down from the sky... Um, <laughs> it's wow, you know, it's not not just because it looks great, yeah, but because they, they've they've been setting all, all the idea of of connecting with people who've been setting it up all along. Definitely, and it was the first film about aliens that it was like, hey, you don't need to be afraid of the unknown. If you remember the how like that sort of end, like that sequence when the spaceship comes, it's not a sense of fear; it's like a sense of wonder. Um, in which, which film? In In Close Encounters. Okay, right. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were saying Alien. Like, oh no, what? no, not no. That's that's that is definitely that is, be afraid of. Definitely that. be very afraid <laughs> of aliens that spit acid. <laughs> talking uh, of actually sorry, sorry to to divert. That that's actually another real favourite soundtrack of mine, Jerry Goldsmith's Alien score. Oh, okay. it's really, really fantastic. It's, it's kind of mysterious, and and it's got something slightly unearthly about it, and just these, like gently, gently twisted kind of harmonies that that, that unsettle you. But there's something dreamy about it as well. It's really, really fantastic. And that's Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, yeah. he's. He, yeah. I mean, he did some like uh, he did Gremlins as well, which I was like, he did Gremlins. Ah, that's him. Yeah, uh, no, and that's he did Logan's Run. Yeah, and The Omen, which is just you know horrible. Ah. Um, but it shows how broad his uh, his sort of like spectrum he's actually, is. Yeah, you often don't hear him if you're going to talk about favorites. Yeah, that you often don't hear him uh brought up but yeah he's he's actually a real favorite of mine every every time somebody mentions a score of his i'm, I'm oh yeah J- jerry goldsmith and henry mancini i love henry mancini so um just before we we wrap up and as i said i'm hoping it's this will um you know could inspire other composers or or people uh, who were interested in getting in the the movie or the film uh business mm-hmm. have you got any like tips for you know, creatives on you know how to get a foot in the door, or or, or what they can be doing to um, you know um, help with their career. Just start making stuff. <laughs> um, just networking is a part of it, but kind of the important thing is just to you, you, your own. Obviously, you need to find an identifiable style, um, and it's all, and that's just going to come with with outputting. Just doing stuff, no, and whatever it takes. Whether you're, whether you, I don't know. You see, a, you see an animation you like online, and I remember I saw an animation I liked, and I just said to the guy, "Oh, look, you know, I just just for fun, I did this, and I put my own music to it, and he really liked it, and he ended up uh, using it." Um, and then so so then when I started chatting to other people what have you done said well nothing much but i did do this the other day and here's that and you got something to show for it and so you know there's also websites of sort of budding filmmakers and um and 
you can go on as you know student films and you can't really expect to be paid at the at the beginning it's just it doesn't doesn't really happen but i just just whatever it takes to 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 output just 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 do it just doing is the best way of learning and what don't worry about what gear you've got or haven't got um just often kind of having very little and forces you to have a creative way around things and it can produce really interesting results and um the limitations of not having stuff and having all the toys in the world um is not necessarily a good thing <laughs> very um, true um, and I know a lot, I know a lot of composers that deliberately limit themselves. But yeah, I think it's just do, just do it. The best way of learning is doing. And you know, I'm a firm believer that that quality does rise to the surface. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, that's that can be the same for everything. I know. When I the the problem is though with that you know when you make something especially when you're making a film in your head you go this is going to be the best thing ever and then it doesn't yeah. come you know day one and on the you know and the shoot comes and you're looking through your monitor and you're like mm, well why isn't this looking like a Hollywood blockbuster and you're like well it's because you're using a five hundred pound DSLR you're using actors who are friends who have never acted before in their life yeah. you haven't got any yeah. lights. And it's, but it's just keep going with it, you know. Um, I'm it a, is. I mean, it's it just, and, and I think it's it's how to write. This is what I've got, or, or you know, that well, all, all I've got is just, you know, okay, I, I don't know anyone that can act. And you think, all right, well, maybe do something that doesn't involve acting. Then you just play to what you can do, and you know, it's just well, all I've I've got a light, I've got one light, and that looks quite nice. And you think, all right, well, I don't know, maybe I can have somebody reading a voiceover in the background or a clip or so i don't know and, and you've got this light and there's a thing that's lit and that looks nice and you can create a mood that way i, I don't know that is you just kind of just use the best of if, if all you've got is a pencil and a paper and and um and an iphone then just try and think what can i do with just a pencil and a paper and an iphone yeah <laughs> you know, try and do something really interesting uh with that and you know it's so easy to get stuff out there now you just upload it and you know try and thing i do think things will organically spread that that, that um uh that have quality um and then if you're not getting if you something turns out and you've done it and it doesn't and you're aware it's not very good then just start something else you know <laughs> yeah. and just keep going keep plugging away so what projects have you got coming up next before um like what's the have you have you got any big shows coming up or anything that you can talk about um yeah there's a potential big thing which i can't talk about at the moment um, which is not at all helpful is it tron 3 uh, yeah <laughs> tron 3 that's, that's the one yeah um <laughs> so i'm just trying to find my way but it's a potential uh, big three uh, three part three one hour special thing which which, which if it comes off will be bbc one or going out on bbc one at least um so that that's potentially uh could be great um then i've got an album coming out of my um uh synth wave music um which is designed for library music um which i've been having the time of my life making and that, that's gonna that's gonna be um coming out um in the next few months i'd say and the people that are pushing that are um talking to people at netflix and they know some directors there and so that that could be going into some very nice hands That's awesome. um yeah i'm 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 i've got high hopes for it because i feel i feel massively in my comfort zone with it yeah um 
um, although you know it, it's it's good to push yourself outside of that but i've i've, I've uh, i'm just i think really enjoying it really enjoying it and i just want to keep exploring it push push it to its absolute boundaries and see what happens when i keep going with it um uh, i just i'll be very happy to carry on making more and more of that so you know the, um so that, that's what's in the immediate future cool and if anyone wants to get in touch or want to hear your work, where's the best place to uh, like to contact you or, or uh, buy your work? Uh, my website is timolivermusic.com. Uh, and there's a, an overview on the front page of some of the documentary work I've done. You can see a portfolio page of various clips from commercials and ads and clips and documentaries. There's a page of my library music. Um, so it's all there. It's all there. Feel, people can feel free to go in, have a delve. And, uh, see see what's going on there yeah alright well thanks very much for joining us today and um, yeah it's been cool no problem yeah it's been nice chatting with you Tim Oliver there who I spoke to earlier this week well that's all we have time for once again thanks to Tim for taking his time out to talk with us and if you want to listen to any of the music that was spoken about today you can actually find it on our website we've generated a Spotify playlist for you to go and listen to it as and when you want and everything's on there from the Stranger Things theme to Jurassic Park and the other ones that we spoke about. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode of Cine Chill. I hope you've enjoyed it and I shall speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.